I am a sci-fi fan, as I'm pretty sure many of you out there listening right now are as well. And I, I think my first introduction to a science fiction TV series, uh, Outer Space, had to have been the original Star Trek series, which first aired on a Canadian station, but I believe it debuted on September 8th, 1966, for three seasons on NBC. Sadly enough, it was canceled due to poor ratings. Uh, And that was only after 79 episodes. And so some interesting facts about this, that is when the Star Trek first original episodes, original series, uh, went into production, the per-episode budget was about 190000 But that was per-episode for the first season. And then as the seasons went on, it dropped. Usually it seems like things would go up, but it dropped to 185000 and then it finally dropped to 175000 on the last season. And I was trying to find some per-episode budgets for the other series, but I couldn't nail down any exact figures. But rumor has it that Star Trek Discovery is the most expensive per-episode budget. And that is somewhere around $6 million per episode. And that's huge. Compare that to uh, the adjusted cost of, you know, I was just saying 190000 175000 per episode for the original series back in the 60s. Uh, bring it to today's dollars. That would be somewhere between $1.1 and $1.4 million per episode. Uh, subsequently, the other Star Trek series like Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Voyager, they had lower budgets and it was closer to about a million dollars per episode. So today, I have the great pleasure of having a gentleman with us who has over 170 acting credits, a number of directing, writing, composing, voice acting, and he's also a touring musician when he has time to fit that in his busy schedule. Let me play something for you and see if you could recognize his voice. I am curious, Lieutenant. What does it mean, groovy? You got it. That is Tim Russ, or better known to many of us as Tuvok, the Vulcan, on the long-running TV series Star Trek Voyager. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Tim Russ. So, Mr. Russ, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you doing fine with all this pandemic and everything? As much as possible, man. I'm just trying to get through it in one piece and survive it all, you know? Yeah. And you being a musician on, on top of being an actor, has that kind of put a, a damper on things for you? Yeah, it's put a damper on everything. Uh, your, your, your social life is, 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 is pretty much done. Your entertainment uh, and fun is done. Your work is slowed down to a crawl and you're not able to perform live anywhere, really. Um, I've been able to keep some of the music stuff going because I can do um, outdoor performances right here at my house, you know, and, uh, for the people that live in the neighborhood. And, and that's what I end up doing the last uh, six months or so. Mm. Uh, we got to do whatever we can, right? Got to do whatever Just we can. Yes. Keep ourselves sane and keep others sane as well. 100%. So let's go into your acting. Uh, I, I think one of your first credited roles. Uh, was back in 1985 on the TV series, uh, what was it, Hunter? 
might have been yeah hunter or twilight zone or one of those shows back then yes yes. yeah so it's been a it's been quite some time and like i mentioned earlier you've got over 170 roles Spaceballs. i mean that that's a cult favorite out there so you were an extra in Spaceballs, right i was an extra in Spaceballs. yeah it was actually a it was an on-camera featured line so oh not background i was working as a it's a featured spot it's a gag one of the gags that he set up which was uh, basically combing the desert and the character was Trooper. Uh, that was the character's name, was the Trooper. So um, it was a it was a quick one line gag that you know uh, he likes to set up a lot of in his movies. And um, you know, for people who are fans of that particular film, they they mostly, for the most part, remember that. So it's good. Well, I have it on DVD, so you know what I'm pulling out tonight and watching. And you gotta pull it out. So there is a little bit of a gap between that Spaceballs and then getting into the sci-fi. You did a lot of TV series in between. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden, uh, I think it was Star Trek Generation. Oh, no. Yeah, Generations uh, in 93. And then from that point on, it seemed like you were heavily into the sci-fi genre. So how did all that come about? Uh, that's just chance. I mean, it's just... Um... You know, all, all of your uh, auditions and reads are, are, are basically just come in through the manager or the agent. And um, the project, it can be any number of projects. It could be any project in the world, really, um, that could have, uh, you know, established me in a series or in a, in a, in a major franchise. Uh, it just happened to be this one. And, um, you know, uh, I was lucky enough to have worked with the producers before booking Voyager. So they were already aware of my work and they liked my work. So they brought me in specifically for, uh, to read for that role in Voyager um, because I had worked for them before. And uh, since I had that track record set up with them, that made a difference. I don't know if it would have been the same if I hadn't um, worked for them before that or not. I don't know. It's mm -hmm. possible that it may not have made a difference if they brought me in to read for the role and I was right for it you know, it still could have happened. But it was easier for me, I think, because I had already established a working relationship with them. Um, and as an actor in their other projects, the subsequent, uh, uh, the previous project, rather. So that was that made a difference. I wanted to know if it took any type of vocal or voice lessons to get that Vulcan, not language, but just that very analytical sounding tone and voice and demeanor. Did you have to go through a coaching or anything like that for no. that? Or it just no. came to you naturally? Yeah. I mean, there was a style um, that I wanted to, um, to obtain, you know, for that character and to use for that character. And it was, you know, it was basically, you know, it's set up to fit in with the, the nature of, 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 of the Vulcan uh, sort of personality and, and, um, and uh, the, the, the way in which they carry themselves and the way in which they speak, which is obviously very formal. Um, mm -hmm. and, and they don't, and it's not very colorful. It's very, uh, straightforward, very practical. So all I did was just work on, you know, some kind of framework for him as a foundation. Um, and then of course, during the series, I could tinker with it and, and, uh, you know, you nuance it as we went along through the episodes, but I, just to have the basics so that when he walks on the screen and says this first line, it's clear that he's not like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And that makes uh, the difference the way he physically carries himself, the way he walks, the way he moves, the way he speaks. All those things are um, critical to his personality and his character so that we can buy that he's uh, who he is. Which is absolutely not the way you are. 
not really. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know, I, you know, on a personal note, I like, I like things that do make sense. I, 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 I don't like things that don't make sense. Right. Uh, that, that are not practical, that are not thought out, um, that are not um, gone over and worked, you know, worked through and, 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 and arranged and organized properly so that they, you know, so that they function correctly. Um, not a big fan of that. And uh, I have very little patience for that kind of stuff. So in that sense, I might be similar to that character. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, I was only thinking back to the time when um, I first met you. Yeah, and you were willing to have a conversation with me. Yeah, and I think if I if I remember correctly, it was because of our our fondness for tea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> are you still enjoying your cup of tea these days? I have the teas, man. I always have tea. I'm drinking it today, as a matter of fact. It's a fruit tea today. So. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I still drink them. I used to drink coffee a lot. I used to drink coffee all the time. And, and eventually I just stopped, I just stopped doing it. And so it's just every once in a blue moon, I'll have coffee these days, but uh, mostly it's tea. My first encounter with Tim Russ was fantastic. It's great when you know that you could bond over something as little as tea. What is incredible is that the Star Trek series franchise spawned like eight different television series, 13 feature films, and a ton of books, games, and toys. I mean, that is so incredible for the original series, which only lasted for three seasons, and then was canceled due to poor ratings. But it was brought back in syndication in the 70s, and from that point on, it just went up, up, and up, and became a cult hit amongst their fan base and the growing fan base. Next, Mr. Russ explains to me why Star Trek is so timeless, and you can watch it any time of the year, any decade, and it always seems so fresh. You were on for 168 episodes. You were on every single episode, I think. Yeah. And it ended in 2001. It's 20 years ago that it ended this year. But again, like I said, I ended up watching it last night, and it's as fresh today as it was 20 years ago. Um, yeah, and that's because, uh, partly because of the genre, it's a science fiction show. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to be dated. Um, it's very difficult to date, uh, that project in terms of its look and storylines because it's, it takes place in the future, way in the future. So you don't have anything that locks you into the present. Uh, you don't have a lot of anecdotes. You don't have a lot of references that are current. So you can't date the show. You can't date it with the tech either. There's cell phones and laptops. You'd have to worry about that. When you do a contemporary show, the show is going to get dated because your, your, uh, your references are either pop culture, uh, political, or you have tech mm -hmm. to be concerned about, also music. So um, any kind of contemporary show will be dated over time. Whereas a futuristic show, you can watch a futuristic show that was shot in the 1980s or 90s and still get away with it today because it takes place so far in the future. So um, anything that anything that takes place in the next millennium or so, you're you're good to go. You're 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 going to be fine. You know. You know, I got to be honest. I never thought of it that way. I'm always looking at, or not even trying to look, but continuity is a big thing for me in, in films. But I never thought about the way that you're explaining it now. Why such a film or TV series 
can be current yes. uh, from now until whenever. That's right. You've got a long, long lead time on Star Trek. You can do whatever you want. You absolutely can. We don't have that technology. Not going to have it for a very long time, if at all. And and uh, and your language and your dialogue and your, your your what you're talking about, your discussions, those are all general in terms of themes. Those themes can be played in ancient times, or they can be played in the future, and they can be played in the present. So the themes and the character dilemmas and the decisions and the things that happen on that show, for the most part, can be played through any period in time. You're literally, you can translate that show to, you know, 400 years ago and still be able to play it. You just change the costumes and you change the, the tech or that's, that surrounds the show. So that can be done, yes. Well, here's for sci-fi because I love sci-fi. And I, I got to tell you too, in the, uh, the show that I was watching last night when they're talking about, well, we're going to the Pond Far Bar down here. They're like, you have a Pond Far Bar? <laughs> I wonder what kind of music they're going to have. But <laughs> Yeah, that would be the curiosity. What kind of sound are you going to have? Yes. Yeah. Um, so do you find yourself open to, well, continuing to do roles uh, such as the sci-fi genre, or do you just want to move on to do other things? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I've been, I've, I've done a bunch of other stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm, directing projects of different genres. Um, I've directed at least uh, five or six projects over the last five or 10 years that are in completely different genres than, uh, than the sci-fi. I've done some sci-fi, but a lot of stuff that horror, just recently done horror. Um, I've done some period piece uh, from the middle ages. I've done a drama for, that's contemporary, done a comedy that's contemporary. Um, I've done a whole bunch of stuff that's uh, very different than, than, than sci-fi or Trek or related. So um, not a problem as far as the acting stuff. It's the same way. I mean, I, whatever roles come in, you know, those are the roles I do. Um, if, if, uh, if I like them and it's, uh, I'm, I'm able to do it and everything is negotiated out, it, um, I go do them. So all of the stuff that I've done, um, uh, far, far more of it has been outside the sci-fi genre than mm-hmm. has inside the sci-fi genre both in front of and behind the camera time for a 60 second commercial break and i'll be back with more of my conversation with tim russ yeah actually there's a couple bits of trivia that i was going to throw out to to the listeners because in 2017 let's see btva a video game you won uh best in vocal ensemble and then uh same with 2019 i think there was another uh let's say we've got uh, the december award for uh, an acting ensemble uh, in a short film called, what is it, Ghost in the Gun? Yes, Ghost in the Gun, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, was, uh, that was a cool little bit, actually. It was a lot of fun because it was, number one, it's a kind of a Western, which is mm-hmm. all of those. And, um, and it was a cool, a pretty intense little piece. Um, I was not aware of the video game award. What, what video game is that? Do you remember? Uh, let's see. It did not. Oh. It did not list. I don't think it listed the actual video game. It's not uncommon to have an actor not realize that he or she was nominated or won an award because they do a lot of work. I mean, somebody such as Tim Riss, he's got a large body of work. So it is easy to not realize or not be informed of something that you have done or that's something that you have won. Now, the award that I was talking about is... From the 2017 BTVA Video Game Voice Acting Award. 
Now, this was uh, for Best Vocal Ensemble in a Video Game, and it was Mirror's Edge Catalyst from 2016. Now, again, this is all according to uh, IMDb. If you want to keep up to date with what Tim Russ is doing, you can visit his webpage at timrusswebpage.com. And at that webpage, he'll list the different projects he's involved with, uh, different appearances that it would be in, uh, some of his demos for his music, and different sample links as well. Oh, because I'm but, curious. I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know I was part of a an awards for a particular video game. I've done a whole slew of them. You know, I just did about two or three of them in the last six months. Oh, like they're they're all code names, so I can't. I, <laughs> yeah, I can't say it is going to be, but. <laughs> I did at least two or three of those. Um, I think one was a, a sequel. It's like a, the, the next chapter of whatever it was. And the other two were brand new. And uh, one was fantasy, one was contemporary. But the, I've done about, I don't know, 12 of those things by now. I don't recognize um, some of the credits on IMDb. Um, I, I don't know if some of those credits were something that uh, was somebody was planning on doing and they just never pulled the trigger on it. Or if it was something that I did and I just forget, or forgot or they changed the title. Because that's happened a couple of times. This project I worked on that I had uh, um, that starred uh, a, a big actress from the 1980s and 90s, um, and 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 they changed the title on that project four times, three times, three or four times. They had three different titles for that for that movie when it was released. It was released under three different titles. So uh, you know what you know if I'm looking at IMDb and I see that you know these other titles, I'm like what in the heck is that? I'm not. Gonna- <laughs> Because they change the title. And that does happen often. It does happen a lot. It's just the way the business is, you know. Yeah. Yep. Let's go back to talking about some of your projects. Because you are a person of a lot of talents. As I mentioned, you produce, you write, you direct. You're a musician. There's a lot of things. So do you have current projects that you're working on right now that you can even talk about? Well, yeah, the problem is, is being able to talk about them. Um, there are several, but um, I, I, some of them I can't. I do have a, a I just finished working on a, a horror piece, which features my daughter in one of the lead roles. Um, and uh, it's called Slayer. So we're just in post-production on that. I can talk about that one. It's basically a vampire horror type uh, supernatural thriller. Um, it was shot up in Sacramento. It's about, uh, about a year ago now. Um, yeah, in 2020, early 2020. And um, working on that in post-production on that post-production for a pilot presentation for a project called the efficient, which is a family sort of feel good um, sort of positive energy and vibe uh, series Mm -hmm. that I just got through shooting about uh, basically the pilot episode for. Um, And uh, that potentially could end up on uh, one of the streaming networks. I'm not sure which one. Um, the others um, that I'm working on is a biopic for um, a famous uh, African-American character at the turn of the century in 1900s, uh, France. So I'm waiting uh, with a partner of mine. We've got a, a, the pitch packet we just put together and we have pitched it to a couple of entities. And also one other um, Marvel type action adventure um, contemporary um, project uh, with um, these uh, superhero type characters um uh fighters and um uh that's a really cool piece i don't want to give away too much on that one but it, that takes place in contemporary times and it's a, and it's four lead characters who are a superhero fighting team um it's pretty cool uh, it's a lot of fun and that is 
with a, a production company uh, that's here based in LA okay. and got a track record and they wanted to carry the project to see if they could sell it. So. Wow. Uh, so with Slayer, are you directing or produced yeah. or did you? I was directing. Yeah. 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 I shot that about, like I said, about a year ago. And uh, it's, um, it's a very straight up, you know, uh, vampires and, and, and demons and ghouls and all that kind of thing. So, uh, um, and we're just in the middle of post-production. It takes a long time to put together um, feature projects. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, the, the front end, just getting the money and the financing, that takes a while. The shooting doesn't take any time at all, really. It's the back end, uh, the post-production that takes a long time. There's so many things that go into, um, you know, finishing a project, getting it to the point where it's actually can be released. So um, I've, I've had a project on the shelf for, five or 10 years because of um, music licensing issues, oh. you know, songs that we put in the film. And that's the responsibility of the producers. It wasn't my, my, it wasn't my responsibility. I was just shooting the project, but, but they've had it hung up because of that. So they've got to repackage the film. They got to retitle the film and they've got to get the license paid for, for the song to get it released. So, and it's a good little, it's a cute little film. It's a kind of a feel good uh, rom-com. Oh, good. Uh, so as this is a open conversation and you just kind of touched on something that I hadn't even thought about talking to you about, and that is the music licensing part and holding things up. It seems like in the past, saying 20 years ago, uh, 20 plus, it wasn't as hard now to get uh, a piece of music to be put in your film and there wasn't such a stink. Um, do you think that nowadays, because musicians are making so little money because things are released digitally, that it's more difficult to get the licensing or they're more of a stickler to say, I need to get paid and I want to get paid? No. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think it's always been a case where, um, you know, depending upon what the project is and what the budget of the project is, um, and, and also depending upon what your, your status is as a writer, uh, a writer, a performer and an artist. Um, as to whether or not you want to get the project out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, what it comes down to now is, you know, I've got a film that's coming out and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it's an indie film, low budget, and we need a couple of tracks for the song. You know, do you have anything we could use? And you could, you could license somebody's song for a hundred bucks, you know, and they just basically sign over the rights to you. Um, you could sign, you can make a contract or a deal that if the movie makes X amount of dollars, I get a kickback or a bonus or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, or, or just take the song and, you know, put it in there and give me the credit. Um, you've got, you know, options, you know, based on uh, if you're a songwriter, uh, you have the material that somebody's interested in, depending upon what the movie is, or you can say, I want 10 grand or I want 20 grand or 50 grand, whatever. Um, if it's a big budget film, you definitely will get paid uh, pretty good money. Um, if you have a publisher, they're going to take their half and then the rest of it's going to go to you. So um, for that kind of thing or commercials and things like that, licensing is not a problem. It's just a matter of what, of what the, the deal of the package is going to be for the songwriter mm -hmm. um, and what the deal of the package is going to be for the producer. So if, you know, the songs, uh, the, the movies that, uh, that I've done, the same film I was talking about, we have other material in there that was written by one of the, one of the producers and his son. And those songs are all, you know, there's no cost on the front end. There would be on the back end if the movie made money, but there's nothing on the front end. Um, whereas uh, if you, if the other film that had the other song in that same film is a, is a well-known artist and it's his track. Yeah. You can't use that without paying the publisher and him 
you know, uh, a fee for it. And that may not be a lot, you know, but it's going to be something, you know, you're not going to get it for free. So it, it all depends. People are willing to bend over backwards to get their, their songs in a movie um, of any kind, because, you know, they can say they put their songs in a movie and they've got that credit, you know, um, and so they may give up the rights for a few hundred bucks and that'll be the end of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what the deal is coming down to. It's always going to favor um, the producer or the production company more so than necessarily the artist. Mm-hmm. I found that to be true in photography. <laughs> I used to shoot all these, uh, the bands and boy, it, it just got next to impossible to try to sell something into Rolling Stone or somebody like that. Cause somebody down the road would say, ah, just give me credit. Put my name in that photo. Correct. That is, that's what you're up against. That is exactly what you're up against. I mean, they really have to like the material and really want that material. Um, in order to, uh, you know, to make a deal with you. And like I said, I mean, you can, if you're an independent writer, songwriter, and you've got your own library and you, you own your own publishing even, mm-hmm. uh, which you can do today, um, then, you know, you can sell it for whatever you want. It's your deal, you know. Um, you can make whatever agreements you want with people. There's no, you know, there's boilerplates out there you can use, but at the end of the day, you know, you name your price and if they say yes, yes, and if they don't, they don't. I mean, you know. It all depends on how badly you want the, the, your song in somebody's movie, you know? I guess, like you said, opportunities out there to do whatever you want with whatever, whatever you own. Whatever you own, yes, yeah, you know. Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm mindful of your time. Uh, there's just a few more things I want to go through because having this conversation with you is actually, this is great. It's, uh, it's, yeah. it's refreshing because I'm really learning some stuff from the industry, uh, yeah. music yeah. and film from you. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that you want to just mention to the listeners and watchers out there as far as you know your projects um charities or just your thoughts you know of the day yeah well i've got a website it's a uh, uh, tim russ webpage uh dot dot com and, and it's actually you know anybody who types in my name on google that's you're going to get the website page and on that page i have all you know try to list all the projects that i'm working on currently Plus, I have a charity page. I have three or four charities that I donate to regularly. Um, I've got my music on there. I've got links to my acting work. I've got, you know, things on there people can check out. Um, IMDB, of course, has all my credits and some stuff on there as well. Um, Demo reels and things like that. So uh, people can look me up on IMDB or they can look me up on my website. Again, it's timrusswebpage.com. And and I will try to list, you know, most of the projects that I'm working on with, uh, you know, possibly some links to them. But um uh just to just to keep up on what's happening and 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 at the end of the day you know uh those outlets those things um i've got my own youtube channel as well which is open to the public and they can see the work that i've done on links and uh footage and things like that so uh all of this stuff is available to people to check out i do post things on my facebook page under tim russ um i will post things on my twitter page again under tim russ too so uh, you can look me up on social media as well um, to find out what I'm up to. That sounds very good uh, oh. because I think people need to go out there and listen to your music because your voice and your guitar playing are, are really good. Thank you very much. So, yeah. And it seems like there's one that I saw that kind of reminded me of not exactly Devo, but going more towards that type of feel and vibe in the video. And then you've got something that's more along the lines of um, – just very smooth 
blues jazz feel. Yep. So, yeah. 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 Uh, we were coming up to the end of our conversation, so I wanted to have a little bit of fun with this and have a, a round of this or that question. And it was a lot of fun. So you've got to listen to this. So hamburgers or pizza? <laughs> oh, no, that's a that's a dead even heat, man. Oh, oh. all right. I'll let you get away with that. That's a dead even heat. I, uh, the hamburger might have the edge. It might have an edge uh, over pizza. I, I just had some really good pizza yesterday. Like it was amazing uh, place I found here in LA, which I hadn't gone to before. And my, I, I, I said to my girlfriend, let's check this, let's, let's check this out and see how we like it. Uh, Cause we've been looking at the place and we just, you know, we always see it if we drive by it and say, oh, I wonder what that's like. I wonder what that's like. And then when yesterday we said, okay, we're going to find out what it's like. And it was fantastic. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> so we will be going back there. But if it's between the two, you know, the cravings, it's based on the cravings mm -hmm. that you might have every number of days or weeks. You have these cravings for something. It's like, oh my God, I've got to have hot wings. Oh my God, I've got to have a pizza. I've got to have a burger. I've got to have, you know, some frozen yogurt, whatever it might be. And I tend to have the cravings for the burgers more frequently than I do for the pizza. So, you know, I would give burgers a slight edge uh, between the two. Well, I'm going to apologize because you've opened up the door for me to ask a couple other little things. So yeah. that pizza that you had, did you have a lot of toppings or are you a pepperoni guy? Oh, no, I had several toppings on that. Uh, definitely several, multiple toppings on that. And I even added some extra toppings. <laughs> I want a little bit, as long as the, the, the crust is thin. I'm only a thin crust pizza first. That's it. Absolutely. Got to be thin. So I don't mind having a few extra things on there because I like, as it were, the cacophony of flavors. I like that. Okay. As long as there's some pineapple on there, just throw that sweetness. I that you put a little pineapple on it. Yes. Yes. So it's a crime for other people. An absolute crime. <laughs> it is. Yes. I know people really poo-poo the pineapple, but yeah. I actually put the pineapple on last night because of what I, the kind I got. It works. It worked fine. Yes. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, have you jumped over to the plant-based burger stuff? Nope. Okay, you read me. That's it. I still eat beef. I don't eat a lot of it. Yeah. I eat a lot less than I used to, for sure. Um, so, it, you know, I've cut back probably 70% mm. uh, as far as red meat goes. Uh, so it's just a, it's a treat for me now. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah. It's a, yeah. So jazz or blues? Um, I would say um, between those two, I would go more for blues than jazz. But the number one would probably be pop rock. Okay. Uh, that's, that's what I was raised on. Uh, pop rock and R&B, those three categories is what I'd like. And I like a mix and a blend of all three styles. I like it when they mash up those styles. So um, uh, I would go along with something along that lines. I love um, Bruce Hornsby style, for example. Um, he's got this wonderful blend. It's almost, almost like a cultural sort of... Um, um, southern sort of uh, pop, uh, hip sort of groove going on, and it's just a, it's just a cool thing. It's just got a blend of something. It's you know that's just got this wonderful feel uh, to it, and and that's just an example of one. I like Peter Gabriel is another one. I like his his edge to his material, and I like mm -hmm. his style, I like his voice. So there's a, a range of groups. I and mean, I was raised on a super group. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of Chicago and Santana and, and Sly and Family Stone and all that. That's where I'm coming from. So 
you know, at the end of the day, uh, that range of music is what I was raised on. So I'm, I'm digging any, any kind of blend of those two or three things is I'm, I'm down for. So, yeah, um, we're not too far off in our age and, um, everybody and everything that you're listening is exactly what I love. And I, I, I've jumped on the, uh, the vinyl bandwagon. So I, I'm, my collection is slowly growing. There you go. I don't get the records, but I, uh, I have a turntable and I still do have some records, but, um, most of what I listen to now is all downloaded. It's just, you know? I, yeah, it's, it's, what it's, it's easy. It, 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 go grab it and I get it and put it on the, yeah, iPhone or whatever in the hell it is, and that's it, and I'm done. You know, here's ten thousand songs versus a hundred albums. You know, just taking up too much space. Yeah, ten thousand songs. Yeah, and um, my my biggest quest is just to find you know headphones that I like. You know, just so I can so it sounds good. You know, and preferably not anything that I have to. I don't know. I have to have a, a carry a generator around to keep it going, and and doesn't weigh three hundred pounds. So you know, uh, that, that 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 that's that's my quest in the the music world so uh as far as listening goes well listed on your page when you find the right one when you find the right one yes <laughs> so, this one is a given but i'm just gonna throw it out there star trek or star wars oh um between the two i would prefer uh star trek and the main reason because is because this star trek involves stories um absolutely involves stories with uh with a particular amount of depth to them, um, characters that have depth to them, um, circumstances, um, storylines, plot lines. Um, uh, they deal with uh, uh, issues um, that we have to deal with today. They, they examine all these things in different forms and styles and ways. And, and, they, and, and, they, and they challenge our, our, uh, our sort of cultural mores and things like that. I, yeah, I I have to go along with that. Whereas Star Wars is fairly straightforward, basically good guys and bad guys duking it out, and that's what that is. And Star Trek has very little of that. I mean, it's basically just how do we how do we solve this problem? What is this problem, and how do we solve it? How do we help fix this or fix that? You know, how do we deal with a circumstance that we don't understand? You know, how do we communicate with? How do we get along with? How do we you know, uh, how do we, you know, wrestle with uh, this or that particular issue that comes up, you know, and that's, that's what, that's what, yeah. you know, society has to deal with on a daily basis. You know? As Captain Janeway would say, it's the prime directive, you know, there, it, there's that story and you got to get right. that prime directive in there. That's correct. That is correct. So Fender or Gibson? Fender. Yes. 100%. Uh, and yeah, then I, Gibson, I'm just not, you know. And, and a number of others. And Fender um, uh, has always been. I, I, I have, uh, yeah, I see that telly in the back. I particularly, uh, I own, I had a Strat for years and years and years. Um, now I have a, uh, a GNL, which is, of course, the mm -hmm. Music Man, again, the engineers for Fender. Um, and it's basically a Strat copy, and it sounds absolutely amazing. And I have a, uh, an Ibanez, which is also a Strat uh, copy uh, uh, body, as it were, but at uh, Ibanez. So that's the only one I broke away from as far as Fender made guitars. It was an Ibanez. Just, I liked it. It was kind of interesting. It plays well, sounds great. And it, you know, looks and feels like a Strat. But, um, but I have the uh, GNL and the Music Man, which are essentially the same designers and, uh, and the same style of guitar. The body styles are all the same. Mm -hmm. um, Guitars are really well made and they play well, they stay in tune. 
um, and I really love them. I, at some point in time in the future, I might go out and and get another strat just to just to have a strat, you know. Um, but I like the the ones that I have. I like the three that I have. I think great, you know. Uh, definitely in the in the Fender realm, as it were. Great guitars. Yes. Great guitars. yes. I Wonderful. just need to learn to play guitar as well as you play. <laughs> I stick with my bass, four strings, and that's it. Not even a five-string bass. Yeah, and in fact, I have a four-string bass as well, and it's a GNL. I've got a GNL bass four-string. Yeah, nice guitar, man. Oh, love nice. those. Yes. Uh, fantastic. And um, I love playing bass as well. Um, one of the other bands I used to sit in with, I used to play bass for them all the time and, you know, um, and had to sing as well, which is never easy. Um or playing bass, but uh, but I do both whenever I get a chance to, uh, but mostly with a guitar. And it's just about you know how much how much time you put in practicing and playing. And and uh, and I and I I don't put in nearly as much time as I used to in the past. But most of my forte is rhythm guitar uh, because I do a lot of vocals. My stuff is all vocal driven, so I'm not a, a I can't call myself a shredder by any stretch of the imagination, and I don't intend to be. Um, I can do, I can play lead and do all that stuff if I have to, but I don't, typically I'm doing rhythm guitar and singing and that's, that's where I like to live. And again, I'm just going to throw it out there for those who are listening and watching, definitely have to go on YouTube and, and find Tim Russ and look up for guitar playing in the band. So mm -hmm. there's some really cool stuff out there. Uh, pie or cake? Oh, um, probably, uh, probably pie. All uh, right. Particularly peach or, uh, peach, apple. Uh, cherry on that uh, blueberry and that one as well yeah but mostly homemade i like the homemade stuff the store bought stuff's not so good but uh, the homemade stuff's gotta be that's where i'm going yeah i'll tell you my younger sister makes the best pies and cakes outstanding vacation in the desert or on the water uh definitely water would be better than the desert um you know, desert's got some attributes that are pretty interesting and cool, but but the, but the beaches you can't beat that. You know, yeah. and lakes you can't beat either. So, yeah, the water's better. Well, I hope we get back to cruising someday on the someday. water. Someday, man. Someday. Uh, a writer or director? Uh, director. Um, I have written uh, uh, some things, a short form, a lot of short, short format stuff, and I've revised feature scripts on occasion, but I, I really don't enjoy that process. It's not really something that I like doing that much. And it's not something that I'm the best at. I, I would rather uh, get a writer to write, work with a writer on a project who is a writer, somebody who writes, you know, there's a magic to writing. There's a uh, alchemy to writing. There's, um, you know, a desire and motivation experience um, to be able to gather up like an encyclopedia, all the things that you've, you've learned and are you know, dealing with or to research things and get those and then put the story together and to come up with a story, to come up with a twist, to come up with the, you know, the first, second and third act that really rocks, you know, I'd rather work with somebody who has that ability rather than me, you know, slugging through it, you know, page by page trying to figure out what I'm doing. So uh, directing and shooting, that's a little easier for me because I worked in front of the camera for so many years. So I understand the nature of it. So it's, it, it, it's, it's just another step in that, in that same vein. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Because you were, you've, you even have cinematography to your credit as well. Yeah, um, not for me, not so much cinematography. Um, uh, I, I work with, uh, I would rather work with a really good DP mm -hmm. on a project than try to do that myself. Um, yeah. I'm much more about uh, about just uh, directing the project, just overseeing it, how it's going to come together, and working with a really good DP to make it happen, um, and a good editor. Uh, preferably on the back end, mm -hmm. that, 
makes all the difference in the world, I can tell you. Uh, yeah, speaking of with editing and editors, boy, these days with movies and you see the trailers, these editors are putting in like every bit of every single great part. Then you go to the movie and you're going, guess the trailer was it. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that going on, man. A lot of that going on from top to bottom. Oh, yeah. Cheaper or pricey, doesn't matter. There are some things that are problematic with the, uh, with the trailer and the feature. Mm. And keep in mind, the trailer is only designed by the distributor to sell the project. It's about the sizzle, not about the, 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 the actual course that you're eating. It's this, the sizzle. And it's about getting you to turn it on and watch it. Mm -hmm. Once they've got you there, they've got you. You've already paid for it. So um, that's what it's designed to do. So you can't take a trailer at face value. The trailer's only going to give you a hint of what the story's about. And if you like a hint of what the story's about, then you might turn it on and watch the movie. If it's a rom-com and it looks like a rom-com, well, and you like rom-coms, well, there you go. If it's a sci-fi action and it looks like there's a lot of sci-fi action, well, then there you go. Um, if it's a horror and it looks really horrible, you go and get it. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. you only have, it's just a taste. It's not designed to give you what the movie's about. Um, you would be better off talking to somebody who's seen it or looking at the reviews and seeing what the reviews say about it rather than, and even that's misleading. You have to watch it yourself. Uh, because every, it's subjective and everybody has a different opinion. That's so true. Uh, movies, anything like that, so subjective. Yeah. Uh, uh, the last one I have here is would you travel to Europe or Asia? Um, I tend to favor Europe. Um, I love the Mediterranean. Um, and the, as far north as I've gone is England, and I really like that. Uh, I like the British Isles. But uh, right now I'm focused a little bit more on uh, the Mediterranean um, and Africa. Those are the mm -hmm. two places that I really, really enjoy. Um, I've been there before, and I want to go back again. You know, I wish we had more time because you do have a very interesting growing up. Because you. You, you graduated high school in Turkey. Was it high school in Turkey? Uh, no, I well, actually went to school in Turkey, but I graduated in upstate New York. Yeah, I, I've okay. been there for a couple, three years. Yeah, so I was in the Mediterranean uh, when I was younger. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I wanted to try to be as mindful as possible about the time that we're running, and I know we're out of time because right, I, um, go, I actually got to go get a COVID test. So you know. Oh, you do. Yes, I do. I got to work on the weekend. Film. That's yeah. right. Yes. Well, best of everything to you. And again, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this for me. And um, I hope we could stay in touch, whether it's coffee, tea, or through music and film. It's always music and film is good, man. I love that. All right. All right, buddy. Take care. Thank you very much. You have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye-bye now. Thanks. Bye-bye. Over the years, I've had the pleasure of meeting a number of actors, musicians, uh, entertainers from different jobs that I've done, from my travels and things like that, and even from some of the films that I've been in. But Tim Russ is one of those guys who is just genuine and very, very sincere, very nice about everything that he does and the way he approaches things. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I enjoyed having a conversation with Tim Russ. And again, remember, go to his website, timrusswebpage.com, or just Google Tim Russ and it'll bring up a lot of things. Definitely go to YouTube and look up Tim Russ and look for his music. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to this podcast and all my other podcasts. And please 
share the podcast, rate the podcast, and I would like to have five stars. Uh, download it, comment on the podcast, everything. Because any type of interaction that you give me actually helps in all the algorithms as far as getting me up the list for more people to listen. Again, this is Chuck Tuck with Open Mic with Chuck Tuck. And until next time, have a great day.